Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. gentlemen, and welcome to UniSelect Inc.'s 2021 third quarter results conference call. At this time, all lines are in the listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require immediate assistance, please press star zero for the operator. Note that today's call is being recorded. Bonjour, mesdames et messieurs, et bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique sur les résultats du troisième trimestre 2021 de UniSelect Inc. En ce moment, toutes les lignes sont en mode d'écoute seulement. Après la présentation, nous procéderons à une séance de questions et réponses. Si, à tout moment, vous avez besoin d'une assistance immédiate, veuillez appuyer sur l'étoile 0 pour obtenir l'opérateur. L'appel d'aujourd'hui est enregistré. Je voudrais maintenant céder la conférence à M. Max Rogan, chef de la direction Affaires juridiques et secrétaire corporatif. And I would like to turn the conference over to Max Rogan, Chief Legal Officer and Corporate Secretary. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for UniSelect's third quarter conference call. Presenting this morning are Brian McManus, Executive Chair and CEO of UniSelect, and Anthony Pagano, Chief Financial Officer. Following their comments, we will open the call for questions. Please note that all documents referred to in today's conference call, including this webcast presentation, can be found on our website at uniselect.com in the Investors section. As noted on slide two, I would like to remind you about the caution regarding forward-looking statements, which applies to our presentation and comments. All amounts are expressed in U.S. dollars, except as otherwise specified. With that, let me turn the call over to Brian. Thank you, Max. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us for a third quarter results conference call. Let me begin on slide four. Recall that when I stepped into the driver's seat at UniSelect five months ago, I had four priorities. Align the three businesses with our vision, focus on operational excellence, identify opportunities for growth, and rebuild the leadership team. I am happy to report that we now have a completely new senior leadership team in place. I would like to take a few minutes to introduce you to them. Please turn to slide five. You already know Anthony, our CFO, and Emily, President and COO of CAG, who were introduced last quarter. Since then, we have strengthened our bench with Mike Sylvester, President and COO of Finish Master. I work closely with Mike during my days at Stella Jones. He is a senior executive with extensive experience. He led the transformation of Stella Jones in the U.S. while integrating a variety of acquisitions. My skills and know-how in this regard will be a tremendous asset for Finish Master. Mark Eburn, President and CEO of TPA. Mark was previously the CEO of Sigmat, a UK-based building parts manufacturer. During his career, he led ambitious growth initiatives across a variety of industries. Mark's success at growing businesses and his knowledge of the UK market will be a great benefit for TPA. And finally, Max Rogan, Chief Legal Officer. Max is a seasoned legal executive having spent a number of years in a variety of senior legal positions at CGI and WSP. Earlier in his career, 
He was a partner at a leading Canadian law firm. Max has extensive experience in the execution of numerous M&A and financing transactions, both of which will be essential as we look to execute our plans going forward. We now have a highly complementary set of executives with diverse experience across industries, including both transformation situations as well as growth stories. With this team firmly in place, we are well positioned to focus on operational excellence and to capture future growth opportunities. As we mentioned last quarter, over the next year or so, we will focus on aligning the three businesses with our vision for the future. Each business unit will focus on the execution of select key priorities to successfully set the foundation for future growth. After having numerous opportunities to tour various parts of our operations in North America, I was finally able to tour TPA, which gave me the chance to meet many of our team members and get a better feel for the operations. These visits have allowed me to see the energy and dedication of our teams, and I am more convinced than ever of the potential for operational improvement that lies ahead in all of our businesses. In parallel, we continue to identify avenues for growth, including the potential for consolidation further down the road, which we believe will be a component of driving our business to the next level. Let me now turn to slide six for the key highlights of the third quarter. Before I begin, I would just like to highlight that we changed our definition of adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EPS in the quarter, and the comparable periods have also been adjusted accordingly. Anthony will provide more details on this in a few minutes. We are very pleased with our third quarter results, which reflect ongoing operational improvement and continued recovery in our business. While Q3 was somewhat impacted by supply chain issues, manifested through reduced fill rates from suppliers, our team has done a good job of managing the situation. Consolidated sales for the third quarter were up 8% to $426 million from $395 million last year, primarily attributable to organic growth of 4%, reflecting continued recovery in all business segments, coupled with favorable impact from currency conversion. While organic sales were positive for a second consecutive quarter, they remained below 2019 levels, mainly as a result of slower recovery at FinishMaster. In turn, adjusted EBITDA increased 25% to $42 million, or a margin of 9.9%, compared to $34 million, or a margin of 8.5% last year. Excluding government assistance programs received last year, the margin would have increased by 250 basis points. This performance was largely driven by improved sales, additional vendor rebates in all segments, as well as price increases in CAG and FinishMaster. These factors were partially offset by higher expenses related to a fully operational business and certain unfavorable variations in foreign exchange. As a result of higher adjusted EBITDA and materially lower financing expenses, due to the benefits related to our amended credit facility completed last quarter, our adjusted EPS more than doubled from $0.19 per share to $0.40 per share. Given this greatly improved profitability, we generated solid cash flow from operations in the third quarter, which we used to continue to reduce our total net debt and reinvest in the business. I will now turn the call over to Anthony to complete the financial review. Anthony? Thank you, Brian. I will direct participants to page eight of the presentation. Before I discuss the results from our three segments, I would like to highlight that we have reviewed our definition of adjusted EBITDA and adjusted earnings this quarter. We have also adjusted certain historic figures accordingly, 
for ease of comparison. You can find the updated definition in the MDNA, but in short, we are excluding stock-based compensation from adjusted EBITDA and adjusted earnings, as it creates substantial volatility and profitability due to movements in our stock price. By doing this, we are providing the investment community with a more comparable view of our operating and financial results. On slide 8, we have broken out the impact of this new definition on adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EPS for the third quarter of the past three years. In the appendix of the presentation, you will find a reconciliation of the new definition to the previous definition over the past 11 quarters, both on a consolidated basis and by business unit. You will notice that the greatest impact is on consolidated results. Turning now to slide 9. I would like to touch upon certain one-time items incurred in the third quarter. First, we incurred severance expenses of $3 million, primarily related to significant changes to our executive team. Furthermore, we incurred charges of $2.4 million related to the ongoing restructuring linked to our operational improvement initiatives. The bulk of these expenses are non-cash and are related to the write-down of assets. All these expenses are one-time items and have been excluded from the calculation of adjusted EBITDA and adjusted earnings. Note that we expect the bulk of one-time charges related to our operational improvements to occur by the end of 2021. Having said this, we do expect to, rec to record further one-time charges into 22, albeit to a much lesser extent than the past year, as we continue to implement our operational and cultural transformation. Turning to page 10 for Finish Master. Both sales and organic growth increased 7% to $175 million, driven by a recovery in the market with all regions contributing favorably. Sales continued to improve sequentially, generating positive growth for a second consecutive quarter. Adjusted EBITDA also continued to improve, reaching 15.9 million, or a margin of 9.1%, compared to 8 million, or a margin of 4.9% for the same period last year. This significant improvement was primarily driven by additional sales volume and an optimized cost structure. We also benefited from vendor rebates and price increases. Despite a slower sales recovery compared to other segments, Finishmaster is reporting its best adjusted EBITDA performance over the last seven quarters, both in absolute dollars and in margin. This is a testament to our operational initiatives taking hold. Our focus now is on ramping up our sales, and we will be working on optimizing our path to market over the coming months. Turning to page 11 for the Canadian Automotive Group, sales reached $144 million, up 5.3% from $137 million last year. This growth was driven by favorable currency conversion effects and acquisitions. Excluding these factors, organic growth decreased by 1%. This decline is explained by exceptional performance in Q3 of 2020, as pent-up demand was released abruptly due to the easing of lockdown restrictions. Sales remain strong in Canada, but are slightly below 2019, as supply chain challenges represent an ongoing headwind to growth. Adjusted EBITDA reached $16.8 million, or a margin of 11.6%, down from $19 million, 
or a margin of 13.9% in the same period last year. This decrease is a result of $3.3 million of government subsidies in the 2020 period, as well as certain unfavorable foreign exchange variations in 2021. These effects were partially offset by the benefit of additional vendor rebates and price increases. Excluding government subsidies, CAG's adjusted EBITDA margin would have slightly increased compared to last year. For the sixth consecutive quarter, CAG has reported a double-digit adjusted EBITDA margin. Looking forward, we see further opportunities to improve our overall CAG operations. Turning to page 12 for the Parts Alliance, sales reached $107 million, an increase of 12.8% from the same period last year, mainly driven by the positive effect of currency conversion and organic growth of 5.6%. This represents the fourth consecutive quarter of sales increases. Sales for TPA have now returned to 2019 levels. Adjusted EBITDA reached $11 million, or a margin of 10.3%, up from 8.8 million or a margin of 9.3% last year. This improvement is driven by additional sales volume, the benefit of cost savings, and vendor rebates. Since the low point of the second quarter of 2020, TPA has steadily improved its adjusted EBITDA and related margin compared to the same quarter of the prior year. Note that TPA has recently rebranded as GSF Car Parts a brand with an established presence in the UK that will allow the company to leverage a single trading name across its 170 locations for the first time. Operating nationally as one brand enables us to streamline more of our processes and to implement improvements across the business more quickly and efficiently. The business, which traded locally under 13 historic brands acquired through the Parts Alliance, officially rebranded in November. As Brian mentioned earlier, we are pleased with our operational results across all three of our businesses and are encouraged by the growing list of opportunities for ongoing improvement, and in particular, certain sales expansion initiatives being undertaken by the local teams. I'll turn now to page 14 for comments relating to our cash flow. We generated $43 million of cash flow from operations in the third quarter compared to $62 million last year. While the headline comparison indicates a reduction in cash flow, we note that this is primarily attributable to a meaningful release of working capital in 2020, driven by a right-sizing of the balance sheet. In Q3 of this year, we also benefited from a release of working capital, though less so than in 2020. After accounting for net investments in merchant advances, as well as CapEx and intangibles, we generated free cash flow of $37 million in the third quarter versus $61 million for the same period last year. This is primarily driven by the same factors mentioned earlier with respect to working capital. I would note that this year, we made higher investments in the modernization of our vehicle fleet, as well as software development investments related to productivity initiatives. We began to reinvest in strategic investments to grow the business. Our investments in CapEx, intangible, and customer incentives are nearing pre-pandemic levels. In summary, we are pleased by our cash flow in the quarter. 
Turning to our financial position on page 15. Given our active cash management and improved profitability, our total net debt decreased in the third quarter. As at the end of the quarter, our total net debt stood at $315 million, including $98 million of IFRS 16 lease obligations. This represents a decrease of $33 million versus $348 million at the end of Q2 2021 and represents our lowest debt level since Q2 of 2017. Driven by our higher adjusted EBITDA and lower total net debt, our leverage ratio decreased to 2.3 times in Q3 from 2.8 times at the end of Q2. Furthermore, we had ample liquidity of about $245 million at the end of the quarter. Turning to page 16 for an update on our capital structure. Starting with our credit facility. Note that Q3 is the first full quarter of benefits related to our revised credit agreement. It represented interest savings of approximately $3.5 million year over year when combined with the impact of lower debt levels. In addition, given our ample liquidity, we partially repaid $35 million of our term loan. The net effect of the repayment was a reduction in amounts available under the credit facility from $500 million to $465 million. This will allow us to save on standby fees while still leaving us ample headroom to operate and grow. Now turning to our convertible debentures. The company converted $15 million of convertible debentures into 1.1 million common shares at a price of $13.57 per share. As at the end of the quarter, 115 million Canadian dollars of convertible debentures remained outstanding. In addition, Uniselect issued 300,000 common shares, resulting from the exercise of stock options at a weighted average price of $12.34 per share. As a result, at the end of the period, Uniselect had 43.8 million common shares outstanding, up 1.4 million shares from the end of December 2020. As a result of the appreciation in the market price of our shares relative to the conversion price of the convertible debentures, we are also reporting diluted EPS this quarter in addition to basic EPS. Finally, we were in compliance with all of our covenants at the end of the quarter and are pleased with our ability to successfully leverage our improved financial position to reduce financing costs. I will now turn the call over to Brian for concluding remarks. Brian? Thank you, Anthony. Please turn to slide 18. In summary, we are pleased with the third quarter results. During the quarter, we implemented operational improvements, which are clearly taking hold. We achieved substantial savings and financing costs, and we brought down our debt to its lowest level since the second quarter of 2017. This said, we are cautiously optimistic about the fourth quarter, given growing supply chain and labor challenges. While our team has done a great job managing through these so far, we expect it will become increasingly challenging going forward. Recall that CAG and TPA are more likely to be impacted by global supply chain shortages. FM, for its part, is also not immune from these challenges. Based on what we currently see, we expect 2022 to finish above 2021 for adjusted EBITDA and adjusted EPS. This assumes a muted improvement in sales, inflationary pressures, 
and persistent supply chain and labor challenges in the first half of the year. These factors are expected to be mitigated by a more optimized cost structure given our sustained efforts in that regard, as well as a strong focus on driving sales in our three business units. To conclude, given our new leadership team, operational improvements taking hold, and our progress on the balance sheet, we are well positioned to take advantage of growth opportunities in the coming quarters. Finally, I would like to thank all of our employees for their continued dedication and support. This concludes our presentation. We are now ready to answer your questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will then hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you do wish to withdraw your question, please simply press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, you will need to lift your handset before pressing any keys. Please go ahead and press star one now if you do have any questions. And your first question will be from Newman Sati at Laurentian Bank. Please go ahead. Um, hi, good morning, everyone, and congrats on the good quarter. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, good morning. So my first question is you've uh, highlighted uh, some of the key areas, and one of them is operational excellence. I'm just wondering if you can provide any additional color or any opportunities that you see in the short term and long term to sort of generate those operational excellence? Um, I don't want to get too much into the specifics, but I think what we're very encouraged about, and it's even for us become uh, more apparent as we were able to get over to the UK and see our operations uh, there, is that there does exist continued op uh, opportunities across all three business units. Um, we can Each one has, I would say, slightly different opportunities that are present, but uh, we continue to chase those uh, as, as we, you know, look to improve and chase that operational excellence. Uh, okay, and, and just to uh, like maybe get a better idea since you're just five months in the role, so it's fair to assume that now it's more of implementing those things rather than it's still figuring out a lot of stuff, what needs to happen, like how, how does that work? Absolutely, and I think you can see in the results that um, you know some of the areas we've already, that we've started to implement are already starting to take hold. Uh, we'll see more of that as the quarters progress. But um, you're absolutely right. Uh, on top of identifying uh, opportunities, we've also started to implement action plans on a number of them, and that will continue as we move forward. I would, I would probably add that, you know, that the, the opportunities don't just appear on, on the P&L, right? You, you see them also showing through the, on the balance sheet, um, you know, particularly with a strong quarter of, of cash flow. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. And just uh, maybe on the margin side and, and the overall margins, if you want to dive into any one, that, that's fair too. But I'm just trying to understand that this was really tough environment. There was a lot of supply chain issues. There were cost pressures. I understand you guys did some price increases. I'm just wondering if, uh, if these challenges normalize, uh, would there be more opportunity for margin expansion? And if all of those costs that you're incurring have been passed on or is there more room around it? Well, you can expect that there's always a lag for, for cost increases to be passed along, um, but I think th there's certain cost increases that are tougher to pass along, um, you know, labor uh, price increases, an example. Uh, so I, I would say there are opportunities to continue to improve. That will be more on us uh, to do that. 
but in the short term, I think we're cautiously optimistic uh, just because of some of the continued supply um, you know, constraints that we see out there uh, through all three business units. Okay, that's fair. And just one last one from my end. Um, your, your leverage or your balance sheet strength, that's substantially improved. I think it was in the last quarter that you've men, you'd mentioned that that's the priority area where you want to reduce the debt. I'm just wondering at what leverage level you'd be more comfortable and when it does not become like a priority and you can sort of do capital allocation towards other uh, sides of uh, like M&A and uh, probably uh, dividend rates. Yeah, I think we've, you know, we've, we've continued to... Um We've continued to invest in the business. You would have noticed um, capex and the CIs would have would have ticked up a bit in the quarter. Um, so so we're not um, we're, we remain conservative, but we're investing where we see um, attractive opportunities at good returns. Um, we're, we don't have a or we're not going to share a a specific leverage target, um, but we do have capital available for for interesting opportunities as they arise. Okay, that, that's, that's it from my end, and once again, congrats on the quarter. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. And your next question will be from David Ocampo at Cormark. Please go ahead. Uh, good morning, everyone. morning, David. So the inventory issues and supply chain issues have been a pretty hot topic in every conference call that we've kind of sat in. And over the last few quarters, if I, I take a look at your inventory levels, they've they've kind of decreased here, but at the same time, you've increased your churn. Um, so kind of with that in mind, do you guys feel confident in, in the inventory levels that you have today to kind of maintain your sales pace, or is that an area of concern for you guys as you, you kind of flag that as a, a caution for, so for Q4? I, I, I think, I, think I, I would certainly be cautious for Q4. Um, the, the supply chain issues are, um, are, are a reality. It, it has impacted uh, the business. It's been a natural, um, it's been a bit of a headwind uh, to, to revenue growth. Um, however, the, the declines in inventory that you see are not are not purely be due to a, a lack of ability to procure products, right? I think there's a there's been a lot of work that's been put in, in, in particular one of the divisions, I, I won't go into the detail, around increasing the, the level of intelligence that we use in, in determining uh, how much we procure, how much stock we hold, and where we hold it. Um, and that's driven a great deal of the improvement in inventory. Okay, that, that's helpful. And then just kind of circling back on the, on the questions as it relates to margins and specifically as it relates to Finish Master, um, you know, it's a pretty noticeable step up in, in margin profile here. Can, can we use this as, as sort of a base to improve on, or is there going to be volatility from a quarter-to-quarter -quarter basis where you might see a, a step back? I think, I, I think you'll see a bit of – I think you'll see a bit of volatility, David. I think what I would um, – you know, as, as you know, having you know, having recently done a bunch of work to uh, to launch coverage, um, you know, the business, all of our business generate or, or generate some profitability from from rebates from suppliers, um, and naturally, if you if you look at Finish Master last year, it wasn't really buying much, so the you know the inventory was was coming down quite quite dramatically. Um, so when you when you're not buying, you're not getting rebates, right? So so a certain amount of the improvement you see is uh, a return to a normalized purchasing environment. Okay, that's helpful. I'll, I'll hop back in the queue, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Next question will be from Benoit Poirier at Desjardins Securities. Yes, good, good morning, everyone, and uh, congratulations for the strong quarter. Thanks, Benoit. Yeah, yeah. 
would it be possible to, to quantify uh, the impact of vendor rebate and price increase, uh, how strong it was in the quarter? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's really, really, no, I'm sorry, oh, no. sorry for the brief answer, but really just, just for, for competitive reasons, Benoit. Yeah, no, no, that's okay, that's okay. And uh, with respect to global supply chain issues, uh, could, could you maybe quantify w where we've seen the, 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 the most impact either on the revenue, on the cost side, uh, on your ability to provide the, a, a decent fill rate or the SKUs that you typically carry and actions taken to, to mitigate the impact going forward? Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to get into too much specifics, Benoit, again, you know, uh, for competitive reasons, but I would say where we probably had the greatest challenges would be in CAG. Um, I will, you know, uh, say our team has done a great job of mitigating that through many different factors, uh, from substitutions of, of different brands to, um, you know, promoting more our private brands and, and things like that. But uh, as, you know, we continue to carry on in terms of the supply chain issues, it gets tougher and tougher to mitigate some of these things. So that's why, again, we're just cautioning uh, over the next quarter or two um, that this will continue to be a bit of a headwind. Um, so we're, we're hopeful, and in talking with a lot of our suppliers, we kind of see this starting to change uh, once we get through Q1. So uh, we're, we're hopeful that we'll start to see some good improvement. Okay. And in terms of free cash flow, Anthony, obviously very decent free cash flow in the quarter. How should we be thinking about your uh, capabilities on the free cash flow side going forward? How, how should we look at this? I'm not, I'm not going to give a bunch of guidance here, Benoit. I think, I think what, I, what I did, uh, what I told you last time, um, or there was a question I answered last time, was, was sort of give, give an idea to the community around where we would end the year. Um, from a net debt perspective, uh, my current the current thinking is we would land slightly above um, slightly above current levels in terms of net debt going into into year end. Okay, and it's still the case uh, despite the strong performance in Q3, right? Correct, and part of that is just going to be uh, call it strategic buying as we near year end and, and are aware of these you know supply chain issues. So there's certain levers we'll pull to help protect ourselves. Okay. And when we look at your balance sheet, you, you don't want to, to provide specific targets, but is it fair to assume that the, the balance sheet is strong enough to, to pursue uh, uh, more growth uh, opportunities, either organic or through M&A, or still a bit early to, to discuss about M&A, uh, Brian? Well, as, as Anthony pointed out, um, we're certainly pleased with uh, how our balance sheet is strengthened up, where our leverage is, is now, you know, at a, at a healthy level, I would say. So, you know, we will we will be on the lookout. However, um, as I kind of expressed last quarter, uh, our, our near-term focus still remains on ensuring that our house is in order through all three business units. Um, but, you know, that that's underway well. Our balance sheet is strengthening up. So I, I would say, you know, we're, we're going in the right direction. Okay, thank you very much for the time. Thanks, Benoit. Thank you. Next question will be from Daryl Young at TD. Please go ahead. Morning, guys. Hey, Daryl. Uh, first question is is um, around market share, and um, just given all the significant disruption we've seen from a supply chain perspective, um, 
would you have seen a change in who your customers are or, or would there be customers that have bought from you um, during this past quarter because you had inventory that maybe would not be normal customers? So I'm just really trying to flush out, I guess, um, if some of the price increases and some of the volumes that have been happening currently are, are sustainable when the supply chains normalize and will some of those customers maybe go back to primary um, um, vendors? Yeah, that's a good question, Daryl. I think it's kind of a two-part question. I think first on the price increases, um, those are more related uh, to inflationary pressures and, and what we've seen uh, from our suppliers. So I, I wouldn't call it opportunistic price increases uh, that are out there that we're, we're doing, but rather just a pass-through of cost increases we're faced with. Um, in terms of uh, market share, you know, I won't specifically speak to market share, but you know, uh, certainly when you have a tight supply chain, you may get customers that would not normally be buying from you, but the same goes that if we're short on something, we may have a customer that's forced to go somewhere else. So uh, I think what we need, you know, we've been very focused on giving the best value we can to, to our regular customers and uh, showing any new ones that come in that what we're capable of doing. So hard to say where it'll settle out after, but... Um, you know, we're hopeful that this may be an opportunity to, to attract some new customers. Got it. Okay. And then just second on the labor market, um, obviously everyone's up against that, but are, are you seeing any uh, of your, your delivery folks uh, being poached or leaving or, or maybe just a quick update on what's, what's happening there? Well, it's, it's something we're certainly dealing with. Um, and, our, our team again is doing a, a good job of, of getting us through it. Uh, it's tough, but we're we're dealing with it. You know, it's a, as as everyone else is. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, that, that's all from me. Thanks, guys. Great quarter. Thank you, Daryl. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you. Next question will be from Jonathan Lemers at BMO Capital. Please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Jonathan. Following the recent uh, realignments you've completed, do you believe that you could service a 2019 level of demand with the existing footprint? Yeah, definitely. And hopefully more. Uh, and with the current labor capacity, more importantly? Yeah, I, uh, we're comfortable. We're, we're, you know, the market's tight, but we're meeting uh, that labor demand. Thanks. Uh, and on the supply chain challenges into Q4, have fill rates been off over Q4 to date? I don't. I don't think we're. we're I won't speak to any progress made during the quarter, Jonathan. But um, you know, continues kind of continues to be continues to be a challenge. There are certain product categories that are naturally more challenged than others. Um, you know, we're we're aware from our um, from our views of the marketplace, that it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not a, a phenomenon that's isolated to us. That's that's broad-reaching, um, but we're we're managing through it, and we have a number of tools at our disposal to to do so. Thanks for your comments. Thanks, Jonathan. As a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. And your next question will be from Zachary Evershed at National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Morning, everyone. Congrats on the quarter. Thanks, Zach. 
Given your size in your various markets, are you seeing any kind of preferential access with suppliers that might help offset some of the supply chain issues? Um, I'd say that's a question we'd rather not answer. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and then looking farther ahead for Finish Master and understanding that you're breaking out the crystal ball here, what's your view on the pace of recovery in end market demand over the next couple of years? Uh, well, we're certainly hopeful it's going to continue. Uh, we continue to see market demand come back, but of our three um, divisions, it's certainly the one that's been the slowest to, to bounce back. So, um, you know, we, we don't see any macro factors that would prevent it from eventually getting back to where it was. Yeah, I think I would I would add on Finish Masters. Uh, it's a bit of a bit of a, a different dynamic than you would think of, right? When we when we think about um, when we think about supply chain issues in uh, or, or supply chain shortages in that business, it doesn't it doesn't just impact us and, and the distribution of paint and related products, right? Um, you know, if a body shop is not able to procure a new fender or whatever it needs to get it work done, then then the car is also not getting painted. Um, so there's some there's some you know knock on effects there in terms of uh, supply chain shortages. Great point. Thanks. I'll turn it over. Thanks, Zach. Thank you. And at this time, we have no further questions. Please proceed. Thank you, operator. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We look forward to updating you on our progress during our next quarterly call. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, this does indeed conclude your conference call for today. Once again, thank you for attending. And at this time, we do ask that you please disconnect your lines. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.